is it okay to be angry? Christianity, we are terrified of anger at our evangelical-ish. Um, we were doing a Mad Lib and, and, and the question was, give me a negative emotion and somebody yelled anger. And I had to say, anger is not a negative emotion. Anger is a very valid human emotion. So we're going to talk about that today. And also like, what does community look like in a post-evangelical, post-church America? All right. So I'm going to talk about um, some current events. Then we're going to talk about anger, which probably these current events will lead you to that. And, and then community. My current events are always like, how is the church affecting our culture today. And so Jenny Thomas, Virginia Thomas, the wife of Clarence Thomas, testified in front of the January 6th committee. We're told that she believes still that the 2020 election was stolen and that Donald Trump is still the rightfully elected president of the United States. Now, let's be very clear. Clarence and Virginia are Christians um, and very, very right-wing conservative Christians. And clearly she is a conspiracy theory follower, if not a full-on QAnoner. Can you believe not only that any Christian would buy this stuff and believe it, but this is a wife of a Supreme Court justice that is saying all of the cases that were heard by courts in America that upheld the election, that a Trump-appointed leader of, of Homeland Security said it was the most secure election in, Mer in American history, um, that the wife of that Supreme Court justice who didn't recuse himself from uh, issues and items that had to do with the election of 2020, a woman who had the phone number to be able to text the chief of staff of the president of the United States. But, um, so crazy that this is where Christianity has come. Ginny Thomas is a symbol of what has taken over Western Christianity and particularly evangelical Christianity. And she exemplifies the fact that this group of people is in fact an existential threat to our country and our culture. And it is on Christians to stand up and say, this is not okay. Remember after 9-11, every, every Christian demanded of, of Muslims in our country, of people who follow Islam, that they had to stand up and repudiate verbally what happened on 9-11. That is not us. And I am saying today, any Christian that's not verbally saying these people are wrong, you are complicit to the problem. Christians must stand up and say, this is not what Jesus looks like. This is not what Jesus taught. And let me tell you what's happening here for people like Jenny Thomas, uh, it, when you take it from a biblical perspective. The, the Bible talks about a time when people will have itchy ears. And I believe this idea of itchy ears looking for teachers that will satisfy their itchy ears, the, that is American Christians today. 
the itchy-eared people who look for teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. And these teachers are Fox News. These teachers are OANN. These teachers are the Washington Times. Uh, these teachers are QAnon websites. These teachers are right-wing pastors in the pulpit on a Sunday morning. And it is disgusting, wrong, and it is anti-Christ. Nothing of Jesus' life exemplifies that he would in the slightest were Jesus incarnate on this earth today. And I wrote, I wrote a novel about this called Joseph Comes to Town. It's, uh, it's my story of if Jesus incarnate walked into an American city today, what would he have to say to the evangelical church? And he would not be kind. There is nothing, nothing in what Jesus teaches that looks anything like MAGA right-wing Christian republicanism. I, I don't think there's a single thing that matches up. And for Jenny Thomas, a, a wife of a Supreme Court justice, to testify in front of the January 6th committee that she believes the 2020 election is stolen, that should worry us all. She is a symbol of a right-wing Christianity that is trying to take over a country and hold power uh, and make sure that the will of the people cannot be carried out in our national presidential elections. And so anybody that's still trying to purport from Jenny Thomas to any of our commenters that the election of 2020 was stolen, it's because they have itchy ears and are looking for teachers that will satisfy their need to live in this conspiracy theory world. And so I, I want to talk today about anger as a part of that. Like sometimes I, I have people say like, well, why, you know, why don't we just move on? And why don't, you know, maybe we just need to love on the right wing Christians because, you know, honey catches, catches more flies than vinegar. And I, I, I think this statement is problematic and emblematic of a, of a problem in the church that the church is afraid of humanity, that Christianity in Western culture dehumanizes human beings. You have to set your humanity aside, for one, because evangelicalism teaches that we are original sinners, we are terrible beings because we exist as humans. And so therefore, anything human, sexuality, uh, anger, you know, these things have to be evil. And so what, what we're told to do is like, just grin and bear it. Just, oh, Jesus took care of that for me. And I moved along. Live in holy denial rather than dealing with your feelings. And so let me show you where I see this in the Bible first off. So let's just start. I mean, the place to start when you start talking about anger is just start in the Psalms. The psalmist writers were very angry and shared that anger on a regular basis. And so let me just take one. This is a Psalm that I like to use a lot. And I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's a short one. It's Psalm 13. It says, uh, "How this is the New International, the NIV version. Uh, it says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day, uh, and day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. He has been good to me. And I always want to put the caveat in that 
I don't believe God is a patriarchal guy sitting on a on a throne in heaven. And so if um, if you know that throws you to hear he, I just know that I'm just reading from our tradition of scripture and not necessarily saying that I believe God is a, a man sitting on a throne somewhere in heaven. Sorry, my hair's such a mess today. But so what do we hear in this psalm? We hear deep, painful, horrible pain being expressed towards God. I Sometimes I'd be able to say, well, I, I can't be angry at God. Well, the psalmist was very angry at God. Job, Job accuses God deeply in, in what is a poem. Job is not a literal story. Job is a poem, uh, a, a metaphorical poem to, to, to teach on something. And Job has strong, deep, chapter after chapter accusation of God um, says, you're not fair, God. You're not a just God. And Psalm 13 is saying, how long? Like you made promises, God. I've believed in things. How long? And so it's this, this deep anger. And it does come back at the end and say, but I have hope. But but don't see that as like, you know, like everything has to be resolved in a 22-minute sitcom. You can be angry as long as you need to be angry. Anger is a process of starting to realize an injustice has occurred. It occurred to me because sometimes we can compartmentalize and say, oh, yeah, that that terrible thing happened to me. But I've sort of separated it from myself because that's what our psyche is built to do and does it amazingly. But then realizing, no, wait, this happened to me. And then what happened was wrong and what happened was not my fault. Because quite often when we're a victim of abuse, we're trained to believe this abuse is happening to me because of me. It is my fault that this is happening. And so we have to be able to say, this happened to me and it was wrong and it was not my fault. And so the psalmist is in this deep wrenching pain. And so we say, oh, well, the psalmist can be angry, but but you know, Jesus, he was just sweet to people all the time. Jesus never got angry. Um, you know, Jesus was just walking around in love to everybody all the time. Well, that is not true according to the Bible. Um, Matthew 17, 17, uh, the disciples were uh, trying to do this healing and couldn't do it. And Jesus speaks out of frustration with the guys around him and says, and Jesus answered, Matthew 17, 17, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Jesus expressed frustration. We see it again in uh, Matthew 12, where Jesus is speaking and his mom, the Virgin Mary, Jesus' mom, and his brothers have come to get him because they believe he's lost his rocker because he's not a MAGA Christian. He's, he's not going with the cultural norm. He's standing against status quo. And so his mom and brothers have come to get him. And this is important for many of you to know, who as you're deconstructing your politics and your faith, have family and friends around you questioning, have have you lost your mind? You know, why don't you have itchy ears like us and listen to Fox News and OAN and QAnon to get your information so that so that we can do our research together? Um, you can say what Jesus did here in Matthew 12, 12, when they came to get him uh, and they say, hey, your mom and brothers are outside. They're here to see you. Jesus says, 
who is my mother? Jesus says this about the Virgin Mary of all people. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So this is Jesus saying, the Virgin Mary over there, by the way, I don't believe she was a virgin when Jesus was born. The Virgin Mary over there and my brothers, that's not my family. They have crossed a line and I have to build a boundary. This is my family here. This is the community I'm chosen. There's my family of origin. Here is my family of choice. And that anger is okay. Building those boundaries to say, hey, my family doesn't get to treat me this way is not only okay, it is modeled by Jesus. And how did Jesus deal with all this? We see over and over again, he gets away, has time of silence and meditation and restoration of his identity. And uh, and that's how he continued to walk through and know what his purpose was. And even when somebody very close in would violate his purpose, like Peter saying, you're not going to go to Jerusalem because that, you know, something bad will happen down there. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He says, I have a boundary, Peter. You're close in. This is hard enough. You don't get to say this stuff to me. That anger is okay and modeled by Jesus. And then he would take it to the spirit of heaven and say, help me remember my identity and walk through this. Anger is not only okay, it is modeled by Jesus in the Bible. And so Christianity, having determined that all humanness is evil, discourages us from being in righteous anger and tells us, stuff it and move it along. Stuff it and forgive and forget. Stuff it and say, I gave it to Jesus at the cross and he took care of it. And I'm telling you that is not biblical. I want to talk about this then in terms of if we're building those boundaries, then what does community look like in this season? Let me ask you, would you be willing to help me do the work that I do here. And you can do that by subscribing to my website at pastor-paul.com. For those of you watching on YouTube or Facebook, you can just point your camera right at the screen and it'll take you there. Um, also, my Venmo uh, QR code is there if you'd like to just uh, give a one-time gift to help. I, I, I do hours and hours of free content every week. And I do that by selling subscriptions, selling my coaching services, selling my deconstruction use services. And you can find out all of that at pastor-paul.com. Um, this is my purpose. And what I'm supposed to be doing is sharing with you guys. And the way I do that is through subscription. And you get some cool stuff, some cool access by subscribing. I'm starting a new thing called the E-Inspire Daily Thoughts. Now, I may not post an E-Inspire on the website every single day, but just like what I'm thinking about and what's going on in my head, I'm going to post that on the website on a regular basis. And you can only get that by subscribing for $5.99 a month. And uh, I want to build up that subscription base so I can keep serving you guys with free content. And then check out if you uh, are in deconstruction and you're struggling with questions like, who is God? What is the Bible now? What does sin look like in this season? I, I walk through that in personal coaching with people in deconstruction you 
And then if you've sort of had your identity overturned by losing that uh, religious space, I have reconstruction you where we start to work on your emotional and spiritual well-being together. So go check it out, pastor-paul.com. All right. Now we've talked about seeing the church go crazy with QAnon and and false beliefs about the election and such. Um, And then we're saying we can respond with anger to things like that. And finally, if I'm building boundaries around community, around family, around friends, I'm going to lose relationships because We've been taught that boundaries are bad. So some people will just say, that's it. I'm out. I I don't want to respect your boundaries. I'm out of here. I don't want to respect your request for me to uh, identify you as you identify. So I'm out of here. So we lose community. And for many of us, we've had to leave our church community behind. And Rachel Held Evans uh, in the book, Searching for Sunday, talked about that poignant moment of driving away from the church for the last time, tears running down her face and saying, Who will make us casseroles when we have a baby? That community is gone. And as someone who is a former pastor and a a person that planted a church, I am convinced that going to church in a building four Sundays a month is a bad idea. Um, I believe it draws us in Western culture now to a norm that we don't really want to be in. It is a kettle in which the temperature gets turned up again and again, and we become the Christian that we don't want to be. We become that Christian that I call Christian because there is no actual Christ in their belief system. And we see this day after day of, of Christians not looking at that. So what does community look like? And this is a hard one. I've really been wrestling with this because I want to provide space for this community as much as I can in this season when people have lost their church, because I do worry the church did provide us a pack. It did provide us a place uh, to be engaged with with a group of people, not just one-on-one relationships. And and it was very good at facilitating that. It just turned out to be really, really unhealthy community. So how do we do healthy community? One way I saw this weekend was the Evangelicalish live event in Nashville. Um, we had 65 people show up from, I, I think, like 10 different states. It was amazing. And boy, everybody was saying, being together in this space of people who are walking the same walk I'm walking has been life changing and life saving. And, and those people were exchanging information. And to me, that's what community has to look like in this season. We have to find each other. We have to travel to each other because that group that meets in a church building four Sundays a month is not a healthy place, in my opinion, to walk out your spirituality. And I know I'm not going to condemn you if you're trying to find that space and you find an affirming church that, that you feel comfortable in, but I've just seen over and over again that that energy of a spiritual group meeting in a building four Sundays a month just naturally draws. And how do I know this? I started my own church with some friends. And and at the end of 10 years, when I stepped out, it, it had become what I didn't want it to be. And that's because you just, 
it's so ingrained in us. When does the women's Bible study start? When does the men's anti-pornography breakfast happen? When when do we go shoot things as men and tell women to go dress more modestly? You know, when does all of that happen? And and we get drawn to these same crazy norms. When when do we start talking about the end times, Pastor? When do we start talking about chemtrails? When do we start talking about how evil Obama is, you know, or how evil Biden is? It it we're naturally in Western culture drawn to that inside the church building now. And so community, I believe, looks like us finding each other and the community I felt and saw this weekend at our live event with uh, Evangelicalish was was like nothing I've ever seen. And uh, we have a Sunday community group that meets online on Sunday mornings, and we're encouraging people regionally to get together on a regular basis and then look for larger uh, attempts and, and uh, ability to get together from time to time. And so that's what I believe in a post-evangelical world, which I believe our culture is quickly becoming post-evangelical. Now, trust me, the evangelicals are still trying to destroy our culture as the boomers uh, still are grabbing on to their last vestiges of power in this season. But I do believe within the next two generations, millennials and Zers, evangelicalism will cease to be a major influence in this country anymore. And I think, uh, I think that God, whatever God looks like God as we see God, is not nearly as displeased about that fact as we are evangelicalism has played its hand. It's shown to be lacking, and I think it will go away in the next two generations, which means sometime in the next 25 to 50 years, I think evangelicalism will be a very small blip on the radar of American culture. And I think heaven is happy about that. Don't forget, go to my website, uh, pastor-paul.com, subscribe, help us continue to do what we do here on, on uh, Pastor Paul at pastor-paul.com. Go there and subscribe, sign up for the newsletter, be a part of what we do so I continue to be able to give the free content that I give here. 